Today's episode of Dog Nation Daily is brought to you by Engineered Solutions of Georgia. Dial 678-ESOG now for a solution to your foundation and waterproofing problems. Presented by DogNation.com, this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans. Here's your host, Brandon Adams. You know, I think many of you are aware of a narrative that had been out there about Georgia. In this case, I mean Georgia fans specifically at one point in time. Whether it was true or not, there's a thing in the past where Sanford Stadium was not really thought to be one of the most intense environments in the SEC of all the sort of houses of horror that you might go to in this league. Uh, playing Georgia between the hedges was not necessarily thought to be one of those for whatever reason, whether it was true or not. I think you would join me in saying that that narrative has existed. But what has been incredibly fun over the course of the last couple of years is watching the ways in which that narrative has been completely dismantled and totally destroyed. And all of a sudden, Georgia, who kind of across the board wants to be the elite college football program, best offense, best defense, winning all the championships, uh, being the best in recruiting, kind of the best across the board, not really sacrificing anything, not being willing to concede anything in the race for supremacy in college football. Right there along with that, you can put Georgia and its fans there as well, where Georgia fans now expect to create an atmosphere inside Sanford Stadium that's just as intense as it would be anywhere else so whatever the truth has been about you know Georgia and what the fans have been and whatever else whatever the truth has been in the past the reality is now that if you ever could say that in the past Georgia fans have seemingly made that impossible to say here the last couple of years and Kirby Smart to his credit is always very quick to make the fans a part of the story and look This is the thing about college football I've always loved is the fact that while the game is played by the 11 players battling the other 11 on the field and the coaches are, you know, kind of making their decisions during the game, that's essentially what the sport is. Kirby Smart has always been really good about making the rest of us, and in this case, I'm putting myself in the category of uh, of fans just like you. He does a really good job of making the rest of us feel like we're a part of this. And we do know this. For those of you lucky enough to go to Sanford Stadium or lucky enough to be in these stadiums for college football, you know that the atmosphere, the crowd can be, to use an old football cliche, it really can be like a 12th man. It really can be like the kind of thing that feels like it changes the outcome of a game. For Georgia football, we kind of know that's the case. Let's go back a couple of years ago. Do you remember when Georgia was having its big home game that year against Arkansas and everybody was so disappointed because even though college game day was coming to Athens that day, you know, Georgia got stuck with the noon game against Arkansas and everybody was disappointed about that. But Kirby Smart kind of stepped up and challenged Georgia fans to make it the best noon game atmosphere of all time, to make a loud crowd uh, experience the likes of which a 12 p.m. start had never quite seemed, uh, had never quite seen before, I should say. That's what Kirby Smart had challenged Georgia fans to do. In fact, let me go back a couple of years ago, give you a reminder of that. And this is one of those things, kind of has some of the, the press conference typing noise. You sometimes hear that. But Nonetheless, you get Kirby Smart and the message that he's sending here. He spoke directly to Georgia fans two years ago and said, hey, I want you to be elite in Sanford Stadium for that game against Arkansas. This is what Kirby Smart said way back then. I want to issue a challenge, and I want it to be heard right now. You know, we got a huge game next week at 12 o'clock in Athens, Georgia, and everybody wants our team to be elite, and I want our team to be elite, and we've thrown that word around. So when we talk about our fan base, we talk about our fan base being elite, you know, we want to be there early and show up better than we ever have. We want to be loud, which is the L, louder than we ever have. We want to be super intense. 
because the players are going to be intense. We need the fans to be intense. The toughness that we're going to show, we need our fan base to show. And the last thing is elite. So if our fans will be elite, we'll have an opportunity to put on a heck of a show at 12 o'clock at Sanford Stadium next week. And how much of a show was it? How elite were you GA fans? Well, perhaps the sideline broadcast for ESPN that day, Holly Rose said it best. This is around that time that uh, there was the block punt in the end zone. Zamir uh, White got a chance to recover that, uh, became a touchdown. Holly Rose talking about how loud that was, Georgia fans against Arkansas that day. One of the great moments in recent Sanford Stadium history. Holly Rowe told the story on ESPN. This is what she said. Hundred and ten decibels, she says, right down there in that end zone. Georgia made it miserable for Arkansas that day. It was one of the great atmospheres in Sanford Stadium history, and it happened to take place at a twelve PM star, all because Georgia fans were more than happy to meet the challenge that Kirby Smart issued to them. Of course, what happened against Arkansas in twenty twenty one paled in comparison to what would happen a year later when Georgia took on Tennessee. And y'all know the vibe around that game. Tennessee former quarterback Eric Ainge on the radio shooting off his mouth about how Georgia fans couldn't do this and Georgia fans couldn't do that. But once again, with the eyes of the nation between, you know, looking on Sanford Stadium, being between the hedges, that big battle between Georgia and mighty number one ranked Tennessee. Do you remember all the vibe around that? Once again, Kirby Smart challenged Georgia fans to be at their best. It's just kind of fun to go back and relive this. What Kirby Smart wanted to see from fans that day. This was Kirby Smart's challenge prior to the game against Tennessee last year. And our guys are excited and looking forward to a top matchup um, in Sanford Stadium. I know uh, our fan base will be loud and proud. I want to challenge our fan base to be, I mean, everybody talks about the Notre Dame game, but we want it to be louder than that. We want them to be there earlier than that. We had some great matchups last year here at home, and I thought they really affected uh, the game um, each time we had a big matchup. So we'll need them again and uh, need them to be ready to go. You know how it was. It was false star over and over and over again for Tennessee there that day. It was a total annihilation by Georgia of Tennessee. The fans played a huge role in it. In fact, you don't have to just listen to me tell you that. Josh Heupel himself defeated, dejected, disappointed Josh Heupel, the Tennessee coach, in the postgame press conference. He stood there and told the world that, yeah, his team did not handle the Georgia crowd. The Georgia crowd got the best of the Tennessee Vols last year. Here is Heupel in his own words. Uh, I didn't think all in all we handled the uh, the noise uh, very well. Uh, and... Uh, you know, that's false starts. Uh, it's being in sync communication up front. Um, at the end of the day, that, that hurt us um, certainly early in the football game and then uh, at times throughout the course of it. So what Josh Heupel is saying there is, is not only did we get beat by Georgia during the game, we got beat by Georgia fans there as well. And, y'all, that is why Kirby Smart issues those types of challenges. He said after the Arkansas game in 2021 that he credited the fans themselves with creating 10 points for Georgia, that he said the Georgia crowd was responsible for 10 points in that game. The easy win that Georgia got against a highly ranked Arkansas team that day, uh, Kirby Smart said our crowd gave us 10 points along the way to that victory. Josh Heupel right there says, 
We didn't handle the crowd very well. We were competing against Georgia fans on Saturday, and they won that competition. That's why Kirby Smart pushes Georgia fans to create these atmospheres that are as loud as they are uh, in these last couple of years for the big SEC games that Georgia plays, which sets the stage for Saturday. Many of you already know about this. But there was another challenge by Kirby Smart delivered yesterday to Georgia fans to be at their best for 3.30 on Saturday in the SEC opener for Georgia when uh, South Carolina comes to call. Now, all of this is sort of set up. I actually sort of feel sorry for the guy on this because I don't think he meant any of this, but it's kind of turned into whatever it is. And listening to the SEC, you use whatever you can to your advantage. South Carolina's got a defensive lineman named Taka Hemingway, and Hemingway was asked relatively the innocuous question at SEC Media Days about the toughest environments to play in the SEC. Hemingway didn't say anything bad about Georgia. In fact, he didn't really mention Georgia at all. But it was the absence of Georgia in the discussion of toughest environments of the SEC that I guess is apparently going to be used as fuel for the game on Saturday. And I'm here for it. Uh, I say use whatever you can at your disposal. Kirby Smart was more than happy to do that on Saturday. This is really fun stuff. And I think it makes what's already expecting to be a really fun day in Athens on Saturday that much more fun and entertaining. This is the exchange that Smart had with a reporter during yesterday's press press conference kind of setting the stage for what's going to be an awesome scene on Saturday here's Kirby I know SEC media days Tonka Hemingway was asked about you know some of the toughest stadiums he played in and Georgia wasn't on that list how important or how just good to see you know Sanford being one of the toughest places to play uh, around not only the SEC but the NCAA yeah I'm, I'm expecting it to be that quite people want to question whether our fans are elite we'll find out Saturday right sounds like Tonka called them out so maybe maybe uh, we need to use Tonka for motivation and let him be the one that spurns our group to come out there at 3:30 and uh, be really loud and fired up. So I, I, I certainly hope our fan will fan base will be there. They've answered the bell every single time. I don't know why they wouldn't now. That is a diabolical move by Kirby Smart. Poor Tonka Hemingway. <laughs> I mean. All these, like, for those of you who know, back in July, SEC media days, it's all kinds of questions, sort of surveys type questions like that of, hey, who's the toughest player you played against? Or where's the toughest place you have to play? And the players just want to get out of there, right? It's like, they don't know. They're just saying whatever and trying to move on. He didn't say anything bad about Georgia, but he didn't say anything good about Georgia fans. And so in this particular case, Kirby Smart's grabbing hold of this to say, hey, Tonka Hemingway, he called you guys out. Are you going to be a lead on Saturday? And once again, I say, I'm listen, I'm all here for that. Whatever you need to do to get ready to be uh you know frothing in the mouth and ready to go here i, I told you this last november before the tennessee game i was going to troll with all the stuff being said by tennessee i wanted people as mad and angry as they possibly could be going to that stadium and uh honestly we saw how that turned out georgia fans showed some teeth and uh that was a miserable place to be if you were wearing orange typically uh wearing orange is miserable but it was a miserable place for those wearing orange on that particular day and by the way that's before the rain came uh but you get the point here on this and so now kirby smart's just simply taking the same page of yeah i'm gonna troll you i'm gonna take this tonka Tonka hemingway quote i'm gonna spin it in such a way to get you guys fired up and ready to go because that's how bad we need you on saturday and just to wrap up this topic here for a moment and again, also kind of dovetails back to what we were saying yesterday about how important this game is for Georgia. This is the game the last couple of years when I believe that Georgia has looked as much like a national champion as any game that it played. Georgia absolutely throttled South Carolina on the road a year ago, beat them very badly in Athens the year before that, really demonstrating the national championship level that Georgia was playing at. I believe Georgia's going to do that again on Saturday. I've told you before, I believe that Georgia's largest margin of victory to date this season 
takes place this weekend. And I believe that Georgia sends a message that for all the chatter about Dion in Colorado, and you understand where that comes from, or Florida State, and you understand where that comes from, or Texas, and you understand where that comes from. For all the chatter that exists about other programs right now, I think Georgia has a chance on Saturday to send a reminder that this is a team that is still by far and away the best team in college football. And the fans get a chance to be a part of that story too. That not only does Georgia have the best team, it also plays in the toughest stadium with the best fans and the uh, most incredible environment possible. That Georgia right now is tops across the board in everything, fans included. On Saturday, Dog Nation, UGA fans have a chance to send that message and you better believe they'll be ready to do just that. My name's Brandon Adams, and this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans. We're presented today by Engineered Solutions of Georgia, and we're happy to have you with us. No matter how you get to us live on video, uh, normally live. Uh, we're going to be live again here very soon. I gave a message to our video audience about that before our show began today. Uh, but we'll be back live again in the next couple of days at least i'm 100 sure about that either way we're just glad to have you checking in across all platforms radio of course with our friends on 960 the raft podcast all over the place really really happy to have you here and a big thanks to our friends at engineered solutions of georgia who make it all possible uh, how about foundation and waterproofing issues that's one of those things with engineered solutions of georgia can be a huge concern but with esog they can step up and help you with one of the the largest concerns that you may be facing as a homeowner because when you see the telltale signs when it rains water shows up in the basement or the crawl space or in the garage somewhere it's not supposed to be and over the course of time that water creeping in can cause some real damage to your home but with engineered solutions of georgia they're able to uh you know get that taken care of they're able to fix that for you because they've got an entire team of engineers on staff that are able to do that kind of great work for you same thing for the foundation stuff too you see the cracks in the sheet walk rock you see the sometimes it's like a stair step looking crack in the brick once again that can be the sign of a serious problem all the more reason to have engineered solutions on the job because that great unparalleled level of resources they have for you in a situation like that they can do a great work to fix those foundation those waterproofing issues plus our friends at esog also proud partners of uga really fun to do business with those that support the dogs and they've been longtime friends of ours here on dog nation daily there as well we are so thankful to have a great company like this who's been partnered with us for such a long time so our invitation to you is to reach out give them a call today that's six seven eight esog now that's six seven eight esog now engineered solutions of georgia uh a, a great great uh uh you know company to deal with when you're facing foundation waterproofing issues make sure you reach out to our friends at engineered solutions of georgia today six seven eight esog now make sure you check out engineered solutions of georgia let me also give you a quick note here on our dog nation invasion many of you have actually reached out to tell me this you you kind of told me this first i told you yesterday this was likely true and it is that dog nation invasion is sold out dog nation invasion on the tennessee river speaking of tennessee we talked about them a moment ago dog nation invasion on the tennessee river is sold out but we do have a little bit of a waiting list situation here so if you go to dognation.com where you're going to buy the tickets to begin with and you didn't get a chance to get yours or you wanted more or something like that, if you'll go there to dognation.com where our Dog Nation Invasion of the Tennessee River tab is, you can click into that. You can get on the waiting list. And if more stuff becomes available, you'll be kind of sort of first come, first serve on that list there. You'll have a chance to kind of be covered on all of that. So go to dognation.com click in that you can be on the list the waiting list to be a part of the dog nation invasion on the tennessee river um, if there are more space available i know we want to get as many people on board as we can 
but it's just simply a matter of you know how much room can you make how many how many tickets can you truly kind of squeeze into there before the boat starts to sink uh in that particular case uh we'll get all that figured out but if you'll get on the waiting list you'll have the first opportunity to get any extra inventory if we are able to make that available now before we bring on connor riley talk some georgia football here today let's get ready to go around the doghouse and I want to focus more on this South Carolina game just for a moment. And I mentioned SEC Media Days a second ago. Let me go back to July here for a quick moment to kind of set the stage for this particular game on Saturday. That one of the things that Kirby Smart, when he was asked, hey, what's an area you'd like to see your team improve? And the premise of the question is, you know, you won two national championships. Is there any area in which you need to improve? You know, where do you want to see your team get better? And Smart gave a very specific answer to that question. He says, I want to see our team play better pass defense in kind of the biggest games that we play. And the context there is second half against LSU in the SEC championship, certainly the entire game against Ohio State, where admittedly the Buckeyes had a lot of offensive success, that Kirby said, hey, we can defend the pass better in the best you know games we play, the biggest games we play against the best opponents that we face. We have a chance to improve our pass defense here this season. Now, I think Saturday is a pretty interesting test and in all that. Obviously, Georgia is a huge heavy favorite in the game, and I've said before, my expectation is that Georgia probably throttles South Carolina much the same way it has the last couple of years. But that doesn't mean that South Carolina doesn't provide an interesting challenge for Georgia. I do think that Spencer Rattler right now is one of the best quarterbacks in the SEC. I think his experience matters. You go back and look in late last season, some of the stuff they were able to do offensively, and you're led to believe what the ceiling can be for this Gamecocks offense. And so if you want to kind of judge where Georgia is here right now, how they handle an offense like the one led by Rattler, a quarterback, it's a new offensive coordinator, of course. That's Dow Loggins uh, kind of in that role here for the Gamecocks here this year. But nonetheless, if you want to judge where this Georgia pass defense is right now, injury to Javon Bullard's a factor in all that, of course. Uh, a little bit of an ongoing competition at cornerback, a part of that discussion too. But if you want to evaluate where this team is, facing a quarterback like Spencer Rattler is a pretty good measuring stick on all of that. And so yesterday when Kirby Smart was talking about the game, he talked about Rattler, what this offense for South Carolina can do around him, and the challenge that presents to Georgia right now. This is what Kirby Smart said about that. Yeah, we've got to be prepared. It's not just Rattler, it's the weapons he has around him. They've got uh, an elite group of wideouts and even tight ends that they use, and he makes a lot of plays, and they got guys that can play the ball down the field. I mean, the explosive plays they've made in the last, I don't know, four to five games of theirs is, is, is pretty special, pretty elite, and, it, and a lot of them are down the field throws, so we will have to play that part well. Yeah, so, I mean, I think that Kirby Smart says that very well, that, you know, when you look at – kind of the upper tier of quarterbacks in the SEC right now, that is still a race that's kind of ongoing. We would say that Rattler's a part of that. We would say that K.J. Jefferson from Arkansas is a part of that. We're going to kind of see who else joins that group. Perhaps it's uh, Carson Beck there as well. But the one that we know is in some form or some fashion, Rattler played very big for South Carolina in games like the Tennessee game a year ago, things like that. He was a very big performer. So it provides a challenge for the Georgia defense to be ready to meet that against Rattler and the Gamecocks on Saturday, but it also provides an interesting counterpart for Carson Beck as he grows into his role. And we would say in week two, his second start, he was probably better than he was in his first start. Uh, numbers may not totally reflect that, but the overall poise, the confidence that he showed, I think he certainly uh, looked more comfortable in the role of being the Georgia quarterback, an ongoing process for him. And then on Saturday, he gets a chance to kind of do battle with a guy who's achieved a little bit, who's had some big moments. And Carson Beck gets a chance to show how good he can be against another quarterback capable of putting up numbers. I think it sets up for a fun day in Sanford Stadium where we get a chance to learn exactly where Georgia is right now. As I've now said a few times, that South Carolina game a 
last couple of years has been one of the strongest validations of Georgia and its championship status. And on Saturday, we get to find out if that's going to be true uh, once again. And that is Around the Doghouse here on Dog Nation Daily Today. And before I bring on Connor Riley, let me also give a quick shout-out to our friends at the J. Stein Law Firm. Big part of what we do on game days, including giving out our player of the game that we announce on the Dog Nation postgame show each and every Saturday. And you get a chance to vote for online at dognation.com. But when it comes to being hurt or injured in an accident and something that's happened to you that's perhaps you know not your fault and you need to have some retribution you need to be made whole in, in regards to that's where our friends in the j stein law firm are going to help you out with that uh because they've been doing this and they've got the resources to dedicate and devote to you that kind of personal attention that you deserve plus not only that josh stein a double dog it means he's got two degrees from georgia including graduating from the uga law school more than 20 years of experience handling personal injury cases perhaps just like yours it's small firm attention compassion that you deserve you're not talking about you know thousands and thousands of you know uh, cases where you're nothing but a file and nothing but a number uh you're gonna get personal attention with our friends at the j stein law firm and that's always a really good thing so check them out online at jsteinlawfirm.com that's jsteinlawfirm.com they got you covered on all of that all right before we're done here today we got more of a look back on some of the stuff that happened week two kind of kind of taking care of paying close attention to the big results from the uh, uh, first real kind of big Saturday of the season. We'll, we'll give you some of that from uh, last week here before we're done. But for now, on everything about Georgia-South Carolina, kind of what's next for these dogs as the big step starts being taken towards the start of SEC play. Let's cover all of that right now with Connor Riley here on Dog Nation Daily, presented by Engineered Solutions of Georgia. From Athens and across the SEC or wherever the recruiting trail may lead, here's a DogNation.com insider. Appreciate Connor Riley joining us here on Dog Nation Daily, presented by Engineered Solutions of Georgia today. And, you know, Connor, I'm really excited about Saturday. The point that I've made a few times is you go back and look at what Georgia did on the road last year. I would say that you put the South Carolina game right there alongside TCU and Oregon, the most dominant games that Georgia played in its 2022 national championship season. The 2021 performance against South Carolina was as dominant as Georgia was along the way to its first national championship under Kirby Smart. That Georgia, I think, has a chance, given the history against South Carolina, uh, recent history, to remind folks that it's still the best team in the country by a long shot based on how it plays against the Gamecocks, or perhaps if it's more, I guess, negative result, then it becomes a little bit of an indicator that, hey, this team does have a lot to work on, and maybe the gap between Georgia and everybody else isn't quite as wide as it's been. One way or another, I think we find something out about Georgia that's pretty fascinating on Saturday, and it's about time after two dud weeks against opponents that didn't belong on the same field as Georgia, finally we get something that sort of feels like a real measuring stick type game for the dogs. Yeah, and I, th- I think Kirby Smart and this team know that. Uh, we, we heard from Jamar Dumas-Johnson yesterday. He said that this is a statement game, a chance to go out there and, and send a message to the rest of the SEC. You've heard by now probably Kirby Smart uh, challenging fans to show up and be loud. Uh, I think this is going to be a very strong environment for Georgia on Saturday, and you know it's unfortunate for South Carolina that they've had uh, the the – the, uh, they drew the short end of the stick and draw Georgia first in SEC play in each of the last two years. And then again, this season, obviously. Uh, I think they know this Georgia team that, you know, look, you know, they, they, they had no control that the Oklahoma game got taken off the schedule and that South Carolina is the first Power Five opponent. And look, they're probably aware of the fact that people are saying uh, it's a down year in the SEC. How good are these programs? 
all Georgia can do is go out there and play and beat the teams in their schedule. And I think they know that, you know, with this being their first chance, they're going to have some eyeballs on them in that 330 CBS slot. They got a chance to go out there and show just how good this Georgia team is this season. And you mentioned the challenge of the fans, and obviously we talked about that a little earlier. To me, Connor, this has been one of the most fun things the last few years. And I think a lot of this actually predates Kirby, to be honest with you, but it's seemingly taken a step even to a higher direction in the Kirby Smart era that whether it's fair or not, Georgia and Sanford Stadium at one point in time had the reputation of being a beautiful place, a wonderful atmosphere in terms of like, you know, pregame vibes, tailgate, things like that, but not necessarily a house of horrors for the opposing team. And at one point, that was probably validated by the fact that Georgia didn't have the world's greatest home record. They lost some games at home over the course of a stretch of time there. And you can't have a you know a great home field advantage if you're not winning all of your home games. But the last few years, you know, certainly Arkansas of the noon start in 2021, clearly Tennessee a year ago. We could cite other examples. I believe South Carolina on Saturday, the next chapter in all of this. I think one of the fun things about Georgia in this current era is the fact that Sanford Stadium now, I think, creates for big games an atmosphere that's really right there alongside anything else you want to mention. And I love the way that Kirby always is quick to give credit to the fans on this. Uh, the opposition, you know, quick to admit that, yeah, it was a factor for us. I, I just think that's been one of the cool evolutions of Georgia football the last few years, and I'm sure you'd probably agree. Yeah, I, I mean, I can remember when I was in college, home loss to Missouri, home loss to Georgia Tech. Uh, it, it was not always, you know, a, a, a big time environment that opponents feared coming in. And now, Georgia's got the longest home winning streak in the country. Uh, you know, this is a team that last lost a home game in the 2019 season in rather stunning fashion against South Carolina. It's a Georgia fan base that shows up. You know, we, we mentioned the Tennessee game. The Arkansas game a few years ago at a noon kickoff was about as good of an environment you're going to see for a noon kickoff there. And Kirby Smart knows exactly how to needle this fan base and get them to be loud and get them to show up and get them to make an impact. We saw it happen in the 2019 Notre Dame game. We saw it happen against Tennessee last year. And I think we're going to see it again against South Carolina on Saturday. You know, Yes, South Carolina played North Carolina and Charlotte, but this is South Carolina's first true road game of the season. And I think the Georgia fans are going to go out there and show them just how much of a difference they can make in this game. And, you know, well, yes, Georgia being the best team in the country certainly plays a factor in the fact that they have the longest winning streak in college football. I think the fans absolutely deserve some credit for that accomplishment as well. I think the presence of Spencer Rattler is interesting in this game because while I think you and I have kind of always had a little bit of a disagreement about how good Rattler can be, I think it is best. He's okay. Uh, I think you're a little bit more skeptical of him than that. But I think his presence in this game is interesting for a couple of reasons. A, it's a chance for Georgia to kind of demonstrate some real sound pass defense, something it did not necessarily do late last season. You know, second half of the LSU game, Ohio State game. That's an area which back at SEC Media Days, Kirby Smart said he wanted to see improvement from this team in terms of how it defended the pass. The Javon Bullard injury probably complicates some of this a little bit. But going out there and defending Rattler well, I think it's a big job for Georgia this weekend. And for Carson Beck, to have a quarterback on the other side who's capable of making some plays, I think in a roundabout way that creates kind of an interesting comparison for Beck as he tries to step his level up in his first start uh, you know, against an SEC foe here. So I think all of that kind of creates a scenario where I don't believe that South Carolina is very good, but I think that Rattler's the kind of player who could at least make how Georgia defends him and how Beck compares himself to him. I, I think that the presence of Rattler at least makes that a little bit interesting on Saturday. Yeah, I'll say this. Uh, Spencer Rattler's impressed me with the improvement 
improvements that he's made in this season. Uh, you know, yes, he got sacked nine times against North Carolina. Honestly, that could have been like 15 if it weren't for him. And I thought he came out and played really well in that game. And so well, this is the first real test that the Georgia secondary is going to see. You know, Darren Everett, I think, has improved from game one to game two. He's going to be your starting corner opposite Kamari Lasseter. We're recording this on a Tuesday. You know, I'm no doctor. I'm not even looking at the ankle. But if I had to guess, Javon Bullard probably not going to go this weekend. Uh, so look for, you know, I'm really interested in seeing how Malachi starts playing. I had a story go up on him this morning. Uh, he has been Georgia's best defensive player through the first two games, and based on what Kirby Smart had to say, he's still got room to get better, and, and I think you're going to get a chance to see that on Saturday. I also want to give a shout-out to Tyke Smith here. I think he's been awesome playing in that star role, being an impactful defender there. And, and so while, yes, there might be some concern with no Javon Bullard uh, against South Carolina, uh, this secondary knows that they got to go out and atone for some of the sins that were committed at the end of the 2022 season, as you point out there. And I think they know that with South Carolina, you know, Spencer Rattler, Xavier Luggett, uh, Juice Wells, you know, this is a talented passing offense. And if they get the chance, you know, to, to stand back there and make some throws, they're going to be able to hit on some of them. So the secondary knows that, you know, if the Georgia pass rush, for whatever reason, doesn't get home against the poor South Carolina offensive line, then they're going to have a chance to to really show what they're able to do here early in the season. I'm glad you mentioned your story on Malachi Starks because I thought that Starks was one of my big takeaways from Saturday too and, and through two weeks here. You know, the competition to be kind of the face of the Georgia defense is always going to be an intense one. And before this year is done, I feel like we're going to really hear in a big way from guys like Mikel Williams and others. But for now, I agree with your assessment. I think that Starks has been Georgia's best defensive player through two weeks. And with the Bullard injury, perhaps he takes on a more important role here right now. But, you know, Georgia kind of always has that just sort of alpha dog leader in the defense. And it's not always the same position. Sometimes it's a defensive lineman. Sometimes it's a linebacker. You know, linebacker, sometimes it's whatever else. But Starks kind of feels like that guy right now, doesn't he? Yeah, you know, again, Georgia's best players almost always been that from that inside linebacker position on the defense that's been the most impactful player. But you know, we saw a little bit of a shift in this last year. Chris Smith, I thought, was a really important player for that team in that secondary with the playmaking that he brought there. And, and with Malachi in these first two games, he's playing like Nicobe Dean or Roquan Smith in the sense that he's got the athletic ability to cover every inch of the field while also displaying the intelligence of being able to diagnose things and being able to trick opposing offenses into thinking he's not where he's supposed to be. And so when you combine that intellect with that athletic ability, you have your chance to have a really special player. And I think the difference with Malachi, and granted, yes, it's two games. Yes, it's against inferior opponents. And you can even point out, you know, Malachi got off to a fast start last season before sort of tailing off. I think the difference between guys like Roquan and guys like Nakobe, we really didn't see them make that level up until their third season at Georgia. Malachi is doing this as a sophomore, and he's got a ton of runway left. He's got a lot, you know, as Kirby Smart laid out, a lot of ways to get better. But the fact that he's already this good as a sophomore, I think should really excite Georgia fans because he continues to improve over the course of the season. You know, from what he brings from an athletic standpoint, it's not out of the question to say he's the most gifted you know, defensive player to come through Georgia under Kirby Smart. He's still got ways to go to get there and improvements to make, but it's hard not to be really excited about what Georgia has in Malachi Starks right now. I think that's absolutely right. Let me finish with this. One of the kind of subtexts for the Georgia-South Carolina game the last couple of years has kind of always been 
the perception of the relationship between Kirby Smart and Shane Beamer. Beamer used to work for Kirby Smart. Now they're rivals here in the SEC. It seems like it's kind of an open secret that this relationship may not be a very strong one. There may be a little bit of uh, animosity here. Oftentimes when Kirby Smart kind of has some of that, we get a little bit of an extra juice from him. Maybe some people kind of felt like they saw some of that from the sidelines for Kirby Smart a year ago. How real do you think this is? Because I do I do believe this is real. There's a little bit of a grudge or rivalry between these two gentlemen, these two coaches. How real do you think that is, Connor? I absolutely think it's real. I think you, if you were paying attention to some recruiting battles, uh, the late touchdown pass to Oscar Delp in last year's game was not an accident, uh, given how hard South Carolina went after Delp and maybe what was said uh, in the recruitment there by the South Carolina side. And you look at the comments Shane Beamer has made uh, after the last couple of seasons uh, when Georgia has played and thumped uh, the South Carolina Gamecocks. Uh, Shane Beamer has gone viral in both of those post games and been fairly upset uh, after the results of each of those games. And now that's you know fairly common for what we've seen from Shane. Uh, if you recall the, uh, the hot dog comment uh, from the North Carolina game. However, having said that, I would not, you know, and this is maybe a little bit of a joke, but, you know, if we see Kirby Smart handing a hot dog to uh, some people on the Georgia chain game on Saturday, uh, I don't think that would be a coincidence given what we've seen so far this season. So uh, I don't think these two guys like each other. I think it absolutely adds a little bit to this rivalry, which is going to be changing in these next couple of seasons as Georgia and South Carolina don't play on an annual basis anymore. But, you know, Kirby usually vanquishes the, the coaches that he doesn't like. Gus Malzahn, Dan Mullen, those guys are no longer coaching in the SEC. The, the list of coaches that we, we know Kirby's not a fan of is, is pretty small. So uh, that Shane Beamer is on it, uh, I think, says a little bit about where that relationship is at the moment. Connor, great stuff. Appreciate your time. Look forward to reading plenty more from you there at dognation.com. Wonderful coverage from Athens. And, of course, I look forward to seeing you back between the hedges on Saturday there as well. And thanks for being here on Dog Nation Daily, presented by ESOG today. Yep, as always, it was a pleasure. Let's take a look around the rest of the league. This is SEC Through. Connor, another one of these guys waking up early to be a part of the show with us. I really appreciate that. And I'll say this really quickly about Shane Beamer, and some of y'all won't really like this, but I just want to be honest here. I probably like Shane Beamer more than some of y'all probably do because, and I understand this, it's easy for you to say as a Georgia fan, well, if Kirby Smart doesn't like him, I don't like him either. I, I totally get that. I think that makes all the sense in the world. But, you know, I, I do like the way in which Beamer interacts with South Carolina fans. I do think that Beamer has actually been pretty successful there. And I think it's weird. I don't think there's any kind of like nefarious thing about this. But I think when you look at Beamer compared to, like, say, a Josh Heupel, it seems like Heupel's gotten so much more attention for the little bit of success he's had there at Tennessee. But for the most part, I think that, that Beamer, for the most part, has been able to match most of that. Uh, and yet he hasn't quite gotten the same you know, level of respect, the same level of, of attention. I think he's been a pretty good coach at South Carolina. I do kind of like the idea that he's a little bit more accessible. He, you know, he kind of comes across as a little bit more of a normal dude. Um, and I, I just want there to be room in college football for kind of like normal dude acting coaches where, you know, not everybody, you know, kind of has to be super serious all the time, I don't guess. So there's an element to me which – you know, I want there to be a lane for coaches like this in college football, a way for a guy to be you know, somewhat, you know, kind of a friendly face of a program. So I don't dislike Shane Beamer. Um, I, I, I kind of like seeing guys like that have, 
you know, a little bit of success, but I understand where a lot of Georgia fans come from on this, which is, well, if Kirby Smart doesn't like him, I don't like him either. So that kind of sets the stage for Saturday there on that. Now, before we kind of look too far ahead into uh, the week three world of things, let's get ready to go cruise around the SEC, courtesy of Royal Caribbean here today. And I'm going to recap some of the week two stuff that we did not get a chance to talk about yesterday here in a moment. But prior to that, let me remind you about Royal Caribbean and Jessica Slater, a great travel agent, specially selected for us by Royal Caribbean. Royal Caribbean believes that a great Royal Caribbean cruise vacation is made even better when a great travel agent helps you book it because there's just so many complicated things to deal with. You know, which port do you want to sail out of? Which ship do you want to go on? Which itinerary do you want to pursue? All of that stuff is the kind of thing that a travel agent can help you with, and it doesn't cost you anything extra to use her services. So give Jessica a call, 770-718-9147. That's 770-718-9147. Or email her, jslater, dreamvacations.com. you got three big things happening for Royal Caribbean in 2024. The debut of Icon of the Seas. Jessica can tell you about that. The Dog Nation cruise in April. You better believe Jessica can get you booked up on that. And, of course, Utopia of the Seas, which I've been talking about, which I personally am probably really excited about because it sails out of what I think of as my home port, Port Canaveral, and it's going to be a brand-new Oasis-class ship specifically designed for those three- and four-night sailings, uh, you know, long weekend-type things going out of Port Canaveral. So if you've wanted to experience the grandeur of an Oasis-class ship but you have not been able to, you know kind of commit a full week to that you get a chance to have the best of both worlds for you perhaps which is the brand new ship all the amenities and the special opportunities an oasis class ship provides and yet on that shorter three night or four night type stay that's just a really incredible thing so make sure you uh, check all of that out today all right let us go back through some of the big moments from week two because i do think that you know you had some narratives kind of take an interesting spin an interesting twist based on the events of last Saturday. And admittedly, you got to treat Colorado right now as a very big story in college football. You know, I am always the kind of person who typically wants to try to push back against certain overreactions or be somewhat contrarian in the face of what common opinion might be. But I think right now you have to treat Colorado as a really, really big deal. They won a game week one as a three-touchdown underdog to the national runner-up TCU. I don't mind telling you I openly question whether or not they could sort of step back up and do that again two weeks in a row. And not only did they win against Nebraska, but they won easily. Now, Nebraska's not very good. I understand that. But Colorado, as a program, only won one game a year ago. And, yeah, I know it's new coach, and he brought in almost an entirely new roster. But still, I think the dramatic nature of the turnaround that's ongoing here at Colorado, I think it's difficult to overstate. That That's really very impressive. Now, I don't know how good it's going to be or how far it's going to go. But to do this two weeks in a row is certainly a better level of play than I thought was possible from uh, Dion and the Colorado Buffaloes right now. Really pretty impressive stuff. Speaking of the Pac-12, Auburn traveled into Pac-12 territory last week, got a win against uh, Cal, and it was not pretty. Right now, Auburn just does not have much at quarterback. You know, Peyton Thorne is just not a dynamic player at that position. They have to play Robbie Ashford some because of what he's able to do with his legs, but Ashford doesn't quite have the throwing capability to be the full-time quarterback there. And to me, one of the most interesting stories, and I still don't think, like the national reporters, the national media types, I still don't think they've quite covered this enough. I think one of the most interesting stories in college football of this past offseason was a lot of would-be potential transfer quarterbacks apparently wanted no part of the SEC. Hartman went to Notre Dame. Sam Hartman left Wake Forest to go to Notre Dame without apparently really ever considering anywhere in the SEC. 
Um, you know, supposedly he was offered, you know, all kinds of stuff, but didn't want to do it. Drake May didn't transfer at all. He said that he turned down million plus dollar offers to, uh, you know, to stay there at North Carolina. Michael Pratt didn't leave Tulane. He could have gone to Florida. A lot of big uh, uh, Van Dyke, the uh, you know, the Miami quarterback who actually played really well against Texas A&M could have gone to Alabama. He didn't do that. I think the most interesting thing of this offseason was all of the potential you know, kind of game-changing quarterbacks that could have come to the SEC and changed the fortunes for the team they transferred to. They just chose not to do that. And right now you see Auburn, who is clearly better with Hugh Freeze as head coach. I don't believe Brian Harson probably wins this game a year ago. They're clearly better with Hugh Freeze as head coach. But, man, they are limited quarterback right now, which ultimately limits what they probably have a chance to do. I mentioned Texas A&M. You know, it is just tough to go on the road like that and lose like that to Miami and have any opportunity to sell to your fan base that there is any chance that Jimbo Fisher is ever going to come anywhere near the very high expectations that existed for him when he was hired and paid big bucks to be brought there. You know, and obviously, as I've kind of now said repeatedly, I've got an egg on my face about this one in a very big way because I assume spending big bucks to hire a national championship winning coach was something of a sure thing for Texas A&M. But Jimbo Fisher apparently is just not that guy. And I alluded to this yesterday. The arrival of Texas to the SEC next year, Oklahoma to a certain extent, but especially Texas right now, the arrival of Texas to the SEC, I think creates a situation where every coach, every program has to evaluate its coach and say, are we ready to compete in what's going to be a much tougher SEC? If that's true for the entirety of the league, it's especially true for Texas A&M because they share the state with the Longhorns. And right now, uh, Texas A&M just does not play at that level. Tough time to be Jimbo Fisher. I'll really quickly say uh, Notre Dame. Uh, right now, that looks, pretty, that looks like a pretty good football team. They kind of handled uh, NC State pretty easily. They've got a matchup coming two weeks from now against Ohio State. It'll be a big, fun game. Ole Miss went on the road, one at Tulane. This game, you know, from a margin of victory standpoint, ends up looking a little bit wider than it was throughout the game. Michael Pratt, the Tulane quarterback, didn't play. So perhaps not the greatest performance for Ole Miss, uh, but Jackson Dart made some plays. They got a win on the road. It was the only other top 25 matchup of the day. So Ole Miss stays undefeated there. And I mentioned Oklahoma. Oklahoma kind of quietly struggled a little bit with SMU on Saturday. Um, they probably need to, you know, consider going to their, uh, you know, young freshman quarterback here. You know, perhaps I don't think that Dylan Gabriel's not going to necessarily lead them where they want to go. But there is a little bit of a gap right now in terms of what Texas is seemingly capable of achieving in its final year of the Big 12, what Oklahoma is seemingly capable of achieving, at least based on kind of where it seems to be right now. Uh, pretty big advantage for Texas in comparison to Oklahoma there for these two teams in the final year before they join the SEC. And for now, we'll get ready to say that is cruising around the SEC, courtesy of Royal Caribbean. And of course, we broadcast live every day from right here in the uh, Dunwoody area. It's a wonderful part of the Atlanta area. And if you're ever thinking about traveling to Atlanta and you want to be in like, say, Buckhead or Midtown or Downtown, but you don't quite want the hustle and bustle that's sort of associated with being, you know, kind of, you know, spending the night and staying in the hotel in that area you want something that's a little bit you know more relaxed maybe a little bit more family friendly or whatever well that's what our friends right here in Dunwoody can provide I want you to be aware of our friends at Discover Dunwoody because Discover Dunwoody really gives you an opportunity to kind of become more acquainted with all of the options available to you when you stay here in the Dunwoody area of Atlanta I'm talking about 
you know, 2,100 hotel rooms, like nine different hotels right here in this area, a couple hundred restaurants, like 300 different shopping experiences, all nestled right in between two great MARTA stations. So you can come here, stay in Dunwoody, you can hop on MARTA, and if you need to be in Buckhead or you need to be midtown, you need to be downtown for a big event, something like that, you have a great convenient access to all that, but you're also kind of removed from the hustle and bustle, but you still got great restaurant options. I'm talking about wonderful, wonderful uh, fine dining, you know, you know, fast casual, everything in between, all kinds of cool shopping experiences, all of that right here in Dunwoody, plus a great collection of affordable and very, very nice hotel rooms there too. So check out discoverdunwoody.com slash dog nation for more details on that. That's discoverdunwoody.com slash dog nation for more details on that today. All right, we'll give out a golden shoe here today. And, um, one of our good friends, our buddy uh, UGA Nation four one two on Twitter, who uh, gave me a really cool thing the other day. I showed you that the, the great woodworking. He says, uh, "Me and a friend are working in Illinois at a Clinton Nuclear Station. We decided to come to the Casey uh, Band concert, and they have uh, it's, uh, Casey Donahue is uh, is the the performer here. And they said, and they had the long drink there. So you see, uh, our buddy UGA Nation four one two holding up the." Uh, that's the uh, long drink strong. That's eight and a half percent alcohol by volume. Casey Donahue with the uh, guitar there. So uh, good to see everybody having a good time there on that. And a golden shoe going all the way around to UGA Nation 412 on that. You love to see that. Something else you love to see. How about the lousy stinging gators taking another beat down at the hands of the Georgia Bulldogs? Talk about who Kirby doesn't like. We know he doesn't like those lousy stinging gators. Neither do we. 46 days from right now. Bad day to be a gator. We'll see you back here tomorrow. Dog Nation Daily presented by Engineered Solutions of Georgia.